We want to welcome every one of you here this morning and also those of you that are watching by live stream. Those of you in the future that will be watching by YouTube and all the other forms of social media. You know, it's amazing how many people actually watch our services. And I mean, thousands of people watch the services all over the world. And it's a joy to be able to come to them. And I realize some of them uh, can't get out. and Some of them still under restrictions. But praise God, isn't it amazing? The Bible says all things were made for him. Social media was not created for pornography. It was created to get the gospel out. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. And it is happening. There's revival going on all over the world. Amen. It may not have hit your house yet, but it ain't over yet. Forgive me for the bad English, but you understand what I'm saying? You're just as country as I am. So don't sit there and act so sophisticated. Look at somebody telling me it ain't over yet. Amen. Hallelujah. We want to welcome also, uh, we've had our president's cabinet meeting over the weekend. These are men and women, pastors, ministers, businessmen and women from not only across America, but from other parts of the world as well that have linked up with our ministry and help us do everything that we do all over the world. They are, they are what I call the uh, above and beyond partners. They give over and above just their monthly support, uh, and they help us reach out to build more churches and Bible schools and help other ministries around the world. And many of them have stayed over uh, for the service today. So all of you that are members of the President's Cabinet, would you please stand and let us welcome you this morning? All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for being here. All right, you can be seated. Neil's from Australia here. Praise God. He had to get up real early to make the meeting. <laughs> Are your arms tired? <laughs> and uh, it, it was a glorious meeting. I'm telling you, I, I think it's one of the best ones we've had thus far. And, of course, we've got our international directors from South Africa and the U.K., and uh, it was just a glorious time. Praise God. Are you ready for the word this morning? Well, I've been ready for 72 hours to preach it to you. I've already preached it myself. It's good. I gave myself an offering. Praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let's open our Bibles first of all this morning. Well, before I tell you where, well, I'll go ahead and tell you where. Mark chapter 9. But as you're finding that reference, I want to say a few things in preparation for it. I want to talk to you this morning about three reasons why reaching the maximum and achieving the highest level is possible to you. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Did my mic go off? Let me repeat that because I got no response. Three reasons why reaching the, um, the maximum and achieving the highest level is possible to you. Hallelujah. My mic's back on now. Okay, praise God. Most people are prone to believe what others say is impossible. We were raised that way. You know, I remember 
thinking as a young boy how many things were impossible to me and people telling me things were impossible. And I didn't know the scripture back then. I had no idea that these wonderful things were in the Bible. I thought the Bible was just a history book, a story book. I never read it other than uh, I liked the story about Samson. I loved that story about Samson. Tried to talk my mama into letting my hair grow out so I could be strong like Samson. But there was other reasons why he was strong, not just long hair, okay? But that was the only, only story I ever read in the Bible was that Samson story. And then they came out with a movie called Samson and Delilah. I mean, you remember Victor Mature. He played Samson. Oh, man, I loved I love that movie. In fact, I have it downloaded on my iPad and I still watch it from time to time. Amen. And, uh, but I didn't know things that I'm about to say to you were in the Bible. Had no idea that things that were impossible are not necessarily impossible to believers. Praise God. Amen. So, as I said, most people tend to believe what other people say is impossible is impossible. But once you get into the word of God and you, you spend quality time in the word, your attitude begins to change. Your mindset, your perspective begins to change. I mean, if you've noticed that happening to you, what seemed impossible some time ago is no longer impossible. You're doing impossible things now that you grew up thinking were impossible. I mean, if you can say amen to that. I certainly can. So Mark chapter 9, we won't take the time to read all the story. I'm sure you have. If you haven't, do go back and, and, and read it. But in verse 23, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. All things are possible to him that believeth. Let me see the hands of all the believers in the place today. All right, say this with me. Because I'm a believer, all things are possible unto me. Say it again and point to yourself. Because I'm a believer, according to what Jesus said, all things are possible unto me. Now, some Christians, it's just words. Others actually believe it. I'm one of those who actually believe it. Is anybody else in here that actually believes it? Praise God. Amen. Now, back in the early days when I first discovered this verse and I had help discovering it, you know, I didn't know it was in the Bible, but I heard Kenneth Copeland mention it one of the first times I heard him. And so uh, when I got home, I got my Bible out, went to the index to find where Mark was, and I read it for myself. And I, I kept reading it and I kept thinking it. And thinking it over and over, meditating on it, as the Bible says. And I remember one time thinking as I was reading it, is this true? All things are possible to him that believe it. Now, they had just come out with an amplified Bible. And I had gone to the bookstore to see if they had one. And, I, and they did, and I brought it home. And I thought, well, maybe this is a misprint in the King James so I'll look in the Amplified Bible. And here's what the Amplified Bible said. All things can be and all things are possible to him who believes. All things can be 
and all things are possible to him that believe. So there it said it again. So what else can I do but choose to believe it or disbelieve it? And I chose to believe it. Even though I wouldn't see in the results yet, I hadn't really, I'm, I'm just entering into my faith walk, okay? But these are verses that were encouraging me that I no longer had to live with limitations that I had been told that I would have for the rest of my life. Amen. And, and then another favorite story in the Bible that I began to, to find was the story about this little guy named Nicodemus. Hey, little guys are in the Bible. I could identify. Remember that little song, Nicodemus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he? So I found me in the Bible. They called him Nicodemus. Jerry was a wee little man and a wee little man was he? But praise God, even we little men, all things are possible if we little men believe. Can you say Amen. So I discovered later the apostle Paul making this statement. You're all familiar with it. Philippians chapter four, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. All things. Everybody say all things. You know, are, are these just words that somebody put in a book and hope that it'd be a bestseller? These are words inspired by the Holy Spirit. All scripture is inspired by God. Amen. So it was the Holy Spirit that inspired the apostle Paul to make that statement. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So I want you to say that with me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now, just in case that's a misprint in the King James, let's go to the Amplified Bible. And here's what it says. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. Now, listen to this. I mean, if you thought that was a misprint, wait till you hear this. I am ready for anything. I am equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am ready for anything and I am equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength in me. That'll make your hair stand up on the back of your neck and take a week to get it laid down again. Amen. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. So it sounds like to me what God is endeavoring to tell us is we no longer have the limitations we once had. Would anybody agree with that? Now, limitations is what hold people back. You know, uh, there are various things that, that over the years, you know, uh, I remember the, uh, when I was a, a young boy, the four-minute mile barrier, you know, they said it was impossible to break. And people tried and tried and tried. And couldn't break it. But Roger Bannister just wouldn't accept that. And he broke it. And it's amazing. After one person broke that barrier, others followed almost immediately. Amen. See, that was, that was my inspiration was I'm hearing Kenneth and Gloria Copeland's story. 
and they were they were two years ahead of Carol and I. They they entered into their ministry in '67, and and we came along in '69, and it was through their ministry that that got me uh, finally to the place where I surrendered my life to the Lord and accepted the call uh, to preach that I heard as a young boy in 1957. I'd been running from it all these years, but their story inspired me, and and. I'm hearing them break records. I'm hearing them overcome limitations. And I'm thinking, well, if they could do it with the word of God, why can't I do it? The Bible says, follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And we had the Copelands as our example. Now I realize that most of you didn't have that privilege, but but I was with them when, when we moved to Shreveport Kenneth Copeland went nowhere without Jerry Savelle. I was his shadow. In fact, in those early days, I would introduce him in the meetings. And, and, and in those early days, if a hundred people showed up in an evening service, that was a large crowd back then. It wasn't until Brother Copeland started getting invited to the full gospel businessmen meetings, which were some of the largest meetings in the country at that time. That's when his ministry became known on a larger scale. But in those early days, we just go wherever the Lord told him to go. And I'd set up the little hotel room for a meeting. Maybe a hundred people show up in the day services, maybe 20, 25 people. And boy, he preached like the place was, had thousands in there, never compromised, never, never watered it down, just gave it to him, you know, and I would, I would open the service. Now you have to understand, uh, I'm, I'm still young in the Lord. I, I have I may, maybe a year or so after we had, before we had moved to Fort Worth. And, uh, but I'm still young in the Lord and I'm still learning. And I was his best student. The moment I introduced him and I, and I sat down and waited for him to uh, say a few words. And then his cue for me to turn on the recorder was he turned around and looked at me. I'm sitting on the platform with a little Radio Shack amplifier, two little, two little speakers on stands out in front. And he'd say, turn me on, Jerry. <laughs> and that was my cue to turn the recorder on, make sure I'm getting a recording. And as soon as I knew I had a recording, then I'd get my Bible out, my notebook. In fact, you can ask Carolyn. There was a time I had a beautiful handwriting. When I used to write letters to her in college, I had penmanship. But now I'm taking notes so fast, you have to pray in tongues to interpret. Is Terry Cable in here? Terry has an anointing. See, these are, these are fresh notes. She gets them tomorrow. Pray for her. Looks like hen scratching, you know. But I, I, I take notes so fast, so fast, and, and trying to keep up with everything. And, and eventually, man, my handwriting got so bad, I, I could hardly read it. <laughs> I thought, that was a great point. What did he say? <laughs> huh? But every, every meeting, three services a day. And back in those early days, we didn't go somewhere for one night, three weeks at a time. Brother Copeland used to say, it takes a week to, to break through all the unbelief. Second week, they start hearing what I say. The third week, we have a move of God. So three services a day, 
three weeks, and I'm taking notes on every service. We'd come home for a short time, then go back into that same routine. And I heard every service. Turn me on, Jerry. 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 And I'd like to make this announcement. If it hadn't been for Jerry Savelle, Kenneth Copeland would have never got turned on. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, boy, those, those, those days, I wouldn't take anything for them. Now, we're believing God for everything. You have to understand, when we moved to Fort Worth, uh, we didn't have anything. We, 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 we're coming to Fort Worth in an old car that had over 100,000 miles on it. Now, I had bought it wrecked, and I rebuilt it, and it had a beautiful paint job on it. You couldn't tell it had ever been wrecked. It was a Buick uh, luxury, no, an old luxury sedan. And luxury had left that car a long time ago. <laughs> It was a total wreck when I bought it. I paid $187.50 for it. Bought it at the, uh, at, the, at the auction. Bid on it. It was a total wreck. And I rebuilt it. <clears throat> but I, I didn't have the money to rebuild the engine. It needed work. The transmission needed work. It had a beautiful paint job. Couldn't tell it had ever been wrecked. That's what we came to Fort Worth in. And you had to believe God for it to start. My... my car did not respond to just put the key in the ignition, turn it on. No, you went outside and you prayed in tongues for an hour and then turned the ignition on. (laughs) And and we had a little old U-Haul trailer behind us. And and I looked in my rear view mirror coming from Shreveport, Louisiana to Fort Worth, Texas on Interstate 20. I looked in my rear view mirror and some of our stuff bounced out of the trailer onto the highway and I was so ashamed, I just left it. I, 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 I didn't even go back and pick it up. Just left it in the highway. It's just junk anyway. Carolyn's mother had actually, Carolyn's mother was going somewhere one day and she saw a sofa in a front yard that people were throwing away. And she went and knocked on the door and said, are you throwing that away? Yes, uh, my son-in-law needs that. And she bought that old couch, brought that, gave it to her, brought that old couch to our house while we still living in Shreveport. And Carolyn, you know, put covers on it and all, made it look pretty. And then we had a chair in the living room. And, and when I was in college, I was in gymnastics. I played baseball, swam, and gymnastics. That was my three best sports. And I loved gymnastics. And while Carolyn is making dinner, I'd sit in that old chair and go into a handstand. Just go into a handstand. I'd do, I'd do flips all over the place, you know. And, and, and one day, I did a handstand and my arms broke off on the chair. We have pictures of those early days with that old chair in the picture with the arms broken off, you know. And Terry Lynn, she was just a little old baby. Terry was just a little baby. And we had this little uh, thing that rocked. And, and the straps had broken, and we put it together with safety pins. Now, Karen, Terry was a chubby little thing when she was little, and she's being held up in that little rocker with safety pins. 
Now don't tell me you've, I've never been where you are. You don't understand. Oh, I understand perfectly. Amen. So when we moved to Fort Worth, that's the car we had. <laughs> and um, I remember Brother Copeland asked me to come pick him up. And he, he, he was going to a full gospel businessman meeting. And he said, I'm not going to need you this trip. I said, well, how will you, how will you function without me? <laughs> he said, well, I'm not speaking. Gloria and I have just been invited to go to this meeting. So we won't need you there. So take us to the airport. So I got up early that morning, prayed in tongues, and started that car. Wanted to make sure it was running when I got to his house, you know. And it was cold. Man, it was cold. And I got to his house, and I left it running. I didn't want to take a chance on it not starting again. Because I knew Kenneth Copeland don't like to be late, you know. So I left it running. And, uh, and, and, and Gloria wasn't going with him. She was at first, but decided not to. So it was just him going. So I got him in the in the car and started toward Oak Grove Airport out there on the south side of Fort Worth. Brother Copeland said, uh, Jerry, turn the heater on. I said, uh, Brother Copeland, it's on. He said, the heater's on? I said, yeah, look, on high. He said, I don't feel anything coming out of there. I said, well, don't be moved by what you feel. <laughs> That's the first time I got to say that to him. Hallelujah. I said, Brother Copeland, you drive this car by faith. And, and we could see our breath as we talk to each other. In that car, it's so cold. And finally, Brother Copeland said, in the name of Jesus, I command this heater to work. Boy, it'd like to run us out of there. It got so hot. I said, now, don't stop using your faith because the transmission slips. And we're about to turn to the left and the traffic's coming your way. <laughs> so stay in faith, Brother Copeland, until we get through this intersection. <laughs> I wouldn't take anything for those days. I'm glad they're over. But those were foundation years. Learning, 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 ever learning. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, in fact, when I... When I came to the Lord and made the decision to surrender my life to him, I tapped into the potential I always had that was lying dormant. I, I went to school. I was not a dummy, but I only applied myself to the things that I liked. Okay. But I got so excited about the word of God. I couldn't get enough of it. And, and that's what brought the discipline to my life. Amen. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed. A disciple is a disciplined one. And the continuing in the word is what brought discipline to me. And I'm a very disciplined person today. So these were, these were foundation years. So needless to say, uh, as I spent quality time in the word and learning from men like Kenneth Copeland, and then he introduced me to the ministry of Kenneth Hagin. And then, of course, I was already attracted to Oral Roberts' ministry because that's the man that I heard preaching in 1957 when I heard the call to preach. So I'd never paid much attention to him from that point. But now that I'm born again and I'm serving the Lord, 
I, I was attracted to old Robert's ministry and, and couldn't get enough of what he had to say. Back in those days, he had a primetime television program. Came on in the evenings. And I never missed it. Watched it uh, and, and, and listened to him preach on the subject of faith. So everybody I was listening to was talking about faith. If I went to hear a preacher that wasn't talking faith, I'd get up and walk out. Amen. Because I'm not interested in anything else. The Bible said the just shall live by faith. That's what I wanted to learn how to do. And I'm not going to go hear some preacher talk me out of it. And some do. Amen. It's like I was on TBN one night years ago, and Paul Crouch said, uh, Jerry, uh, I'm, I'm going to play the devil's advocate tonight. I said, Paul, why would you want to do that? He said, well, I'm going to challenge you on, the, on faith. And he said, uh, I'm going to ask you some loaded questions about living by faith. And uh, he said, well, I said, I said uh, well, Paul, could I, could I make a statement first before you do that? Can I address the audience? He said, sure. I said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jerry Savelle. I'm a faith preacher. And I give you my word, I will never write a book on physics, atoms, or something else. I said, I said, I just wanted to make that announcement. And I said, okay, Paul. He said, well, why would you say that? I said, I just wanted people to know that I don't write on things I know nothing about. I only write on things that I know something about. And I'd appreciate all you preachers that don't know anything about faith, quit preaching what about it and quit writing negative books about it. Okay, Paul, go ahead. Now, I didn't know Kenneth and Gloria were laying in bed watching the program that night. As soon as I got home, the phone rang. He said, you were a defender of the faith tonight. <laughs> said, Gloria and I were jumping up in the bed listening to you. Amen. So this is all I know. Faith. Hallelujah. And you know what? I'm not sure there's anything else I need to know because this works. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, one, one more time. Needless to say, this began to change the way I thought, the way I perceived situations in life. I was beginning to experience as a young believer what Paul said in Romans chapter 12 in verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what was taking place. I was being transformed by the renewing of my mind. This is how it all begins. All of our lives we were told that this was impossible, that was impossible. But as I spent more time in the Word, and I'm reading stories of people in the Bible who faced impossible situations, but God turned it into something possible, then my attitude about what's impossible began to change. I mean, if you've noticed the same thing happened to you, you're experiencing Romans 12 too, the transforming of your mind. Amen. And, and I noticed that the things that once were impossible no longer seemed impossible. I remember that in those early days, and you've heard me tell this before, when, when the Lord said to me, 
and I'm still living in Shreveport. It was, it was right after New Year's 1970. And I had that experience with the, with the prophet of God saying airplanes, 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 and Pastor Jack Morris adding to it, uh, fly, fly, fly. You remember the story? And, and, and they were talking about uh, my life would be involved with airplanes. And when I got home, I was praying. And I said, Lord, what did all that mean? And he said, you will not be able to fulfill what I've called you to do without airplanes in your ministry. He said, start believing for them now when you don't need them. And when you do need them, they'll be there. And he said, now, I don't want you flying airplanes with debt on them. Believe for them debt free. Now, he just said something impossible. In the natural, I mean, I've got debt on a car. I got debt on a truck. I got debt on the house. I got debt on the television set. I'm in debt to everything. I've said jokingly, I think we still had three more notes on the broom. I mean, we were in debt to everything. And now God's talking debt-free airplanes. Well, I wrote it down with fear and trembling, you know. Debt-free airplanes? And I'd not be able to fulfill what I'm called to do without them? Well, as I began my ministry, I didn't need them at the beginning. Probably only four people knew I existed and two of them were wavering. But anyway, uh, you know, and I didn't need an airplane when I first started, but over a period of time, I couldn't get to all the places that I'm invited to preach. And now I need an airplane. Okay. So by this time, what he said to me in 1970 didn't look so impossible as it did then. I could see myself owning an airplane. I could see myself, instead of driving all over the country all night long, flying, praise God. I could see it. It wasn't, any, it wasn't as impossible looking now as it had been in the past. What's happening? The renewing of the mind. The renewing of the mind. This is how it all begins. Amen. Quality time in the Word changes what used to be in your mind, impossible to possible, praise God. And eventually, you will begin to see what God sees. And if you hold fast to it, it'll come to pass in your life. Amen. Amen. The Amplified Bible reads this way. Be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude. When you're you begin the process of the renewing of the mind, it changes ideals and it changes attitudes. How many of you have noticed you have a different attitude than when you first began? And some may still work, be working on it. There's new believers coming into the kingdom every day by the moment, praise God. Some folks have not even heard these things yet. Many that are watching by live stream may not have even heard anything like this today. But I encourage them and I encourage any of you in here today that, that you haven't begun the process of, be, of renewing your mind. If you are ever to experience the maximum and the highest level attainable, then this is where you begin. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. Because, uh, you know, talking about maximum and highest level attainable, for some people that goes right over their head. They, they, can't, they can't handle it. 
They can't comprehend it. I think it's interesting. I read something here recently that one of the ways that you can get something on the inside of you is not only by repeating it often, but singing it. Singing it. That's the reason there's so many new songs. The Bible talks about sing a new song. See, Danny and them wrote this new song about the maximum that we sang this morning. What are we endeavoring to do? I'm so grateful, Danny, that you heard God and, and wrote that song because he's helping me get it in you. And, and did you notice why you were singing it? Uh, yeah, maximum. Hallelujah. We can do this. We can have this. Glory to God. Let's put a dance to it. You know, I mean, that's one of the ways. That's, that's the reason the Bible talks about sin. In fact, Isaiah 42, Isaiah 43, God says, I'm the God of new things and a new thing do I declare unto you. And then shortly after that, sing a new song. Sing it. That's the reason we want to sing about the maximum and the highest level attainable as often as possible. Don't ever get tired of hearing it. We're in, the Holy Spirit is endeavoring to get it in you. We may sing it again before the service is over. Hallelujah. Get, get, it, get it on your iPad, iPod, and your pod and my pod, everybody's pod. <laughs> do whatever we have to do to get it in us, hallelujah. Praise God. That's a great song, Daddy. Thank you so much for writing it. Amen. So, what's happening when you renew your mind or you begin the process, and it's not something you do and you're done. It's going to be, you're going to be doing it for the rest of your life. I'm in my 54th year of doing this and I'm still doing it. Amen. So you never reach the place where you say, God are done. No, you're going to keep on doing it. Amen. Now I could almost sense somebody thinking out loud. You mean we got to still do this all the time? No, you don't have to, just, as, uh, just if you want maximum and highest level attainment. If you're not interested in that, go on and live like you've been living anyway. But I, I believe people in this church are interested in experiencing the maximum and the highest level attainable. Would you agree with me with a good shout of praise? Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a good shout of praise in advance. Amen. So to change your attitude, then that's what needs to take place is this process called the renewing of the mind so that you can experience the maximum and the highest level attainable. Don't just sit back and allow the devil, the world, unbelievers, and religious-minded people talk you out of it. Did you notice I included some Christians in that? Don't allow the devil, the world, unbelievers, and religious-minded people to talk you out of the maximum and the highest level attainable. Stop saying these words, but they say, who are they? Apparently, they don't know much. Why would you want to listen to they? Amen. 
I hear that often. But, but they say, no, it's not what they say that matters. It's what Jesus said that matters. It's what the Word of God says that matters. You've heard me say it many times in the past. Make God's Word final authority in your life. Amen. Have the attitude, God said it, that settles it. It's not up for debate. Amen. When you see, when, when you make God's word final authority, that's when you begin to be able to see the invisible and it becomes the possible. Oral Roberts wrote a book on this years ago. In fact, I, I was given a, a personal autographed copy. I'd just like to read it to you. To Jerry, with my deepest love and appreciation for your powerful anointed ministry of the Lord Jesus. I am so grateful for the precious relationship we have with each other. The Lord is with you and you have an unusual anointing on your life. Your friend always, Paul Roberts. He wrote this book, Still Doing the Impossible. And he wrote it when he was 84 years old. Still Doing the Impossible. Oh, I love this book. In fact, I've started reading it all over again. I don't know how many times I've already read it, but I'm, I'm reading it again. If you haven't got it, go to OREA on the website and order it. It's a powerful book. And it deals with the things that I'm talking about today. Still Doing the Impossible. But in here, he says, right under his name, when you see the invisible, you can do the impossible. When you see the invisible, you can do the impossible. It's a faith-inspiring book. Amen. You need it in your library. Now, I remember reading a story in the Bible back in my early days that brought great inspiration to me, still does today, and I want you to turn there with me, 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7. And once again, I want to repeat what I said before mentioning Brother Robert's book. Don't sit by and allow other people to convince you that you could never experience the maximum and the highest level attainable. This story is about four lepers. It begins in 2 Kings chapter 7. And uh, let's begin reading in verse 1. Then Elijah said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sowed for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Now, you have to understand that the enemy forces had come in and surrounded these people, cut off their supply lines. Not even the rich had anything to eat in the, in the city. Uh, and it's just a matter of time, and the enemy is either going to starve them to death or they're going to come in and slaughter them. So what the prophet said to them in the natural sounds impossible. This time tomorrow. Everybody say this time tomorrow. This time tomorrow. Oh, that's just a story in the Bible, Brother Jerry. Yeah, and the Bible says in, in the New Testament, these stories were written for our benefit. 
They were written for our benefit. So we're looking at an impossible situation. This time tomorrow, this is going to happen. God's going to do this for us in 24 hours. Sounds impossible. It's probably sounds just as impossible as your situation turning in the next 24 hours. But if God could do it for them, why couldn't he do it for you? Has anybody ever had something change in 24 hours? I have many times. And this is the story that I was basing that on. Lord, you did it for them. You can do it for me. Now we keep reading. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not eat thereof. This one character says, even if God was to make windows in heaven and, and pour out all this that we need, it's not likely. And the prophet said, oh, it'll happen, but you will not partake of it. So that tells me there are two camps, those who believe it and those who don't, those who will experience it and those who won't. Got a question for you. Which camp are you in? Which camp are you in? So notice as we go on reading. And there were four lepers at the entering of the gate. And they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? Four lepers. Four of the least likely to be used by God to produce a breakthrough. I've had it happen many times where God would use somebody that in the natural didn't look like they had two quarters to rub together and met my, my need. Amen. Don't, don't ever put limitations on God. He's not God in the box. Get him out of the box. Amen? Don't, don't, don't limit him by what it looks like in the natural. Remember when the prophet went down to anoint the next king? Samuel brought all his boys up but David. And the, boy, and the prophet looked over all those boys and said, this is not the one. None of these boys are the one. Brought David up, which none of them thought, you know, amounted to anything. And when the prophet saw him, he said, behold the king. God looks on the heart. Okay? He looks beyond the flesh. He looks beyond our inability and sees ability. He causes what is foolish to the world to confound the wise. I'm living proof. Hallelujah. Amen. I mean, you know, as we say in Texas, who to thunk it? <laughs> so notice what it says. Four lepers and they... They, they, they already have three strikes against them. Number one, they're either going to die of leprosy. Number two, it's possible they might starve to death before they die of leprosy. Number three, they have leprosy. How, how, how could they possibly be used by God? You would think God would go find somebody more qualified 
But that's not necessarily the way God works every time. Amen. So they're sitting there, hopeless, helpless, limitations. And finally, one of them says, why are we just sitting here until we die? That's what a lot of people need to do. Why am I just sitting here and letting the devil control my life? Why am I just sitting here and letting others tell me how my future will be? Why am I sitting here and letting CNN dictate my outcome? Why sit we here until we die? So they got up and went on the move. Amen. But notice the first step was making a decision to get up and do something instead of just accepting defeat. Defeat is never inevitable unless you decide to do nothing. He said, why sit we here till we die? And notice what God did. Drop down to verse five. And they rose up. Look at verse six. For this Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses and the noise of a great host. They didn't even bother sending a scout out to see who was coming. There's four lepers coming over the hill, dragging their feet. Who knows what kind of condition they were in. They had leprosy. It can decay the flesh. You know, and, and I picture them just dragging their feet, coming across that hill, and the Syrians didn't even send a scout out. If they'd have sent somebody out, they'd have said, oh, we don't have any problem, no worries. It's just four lepers. But they didn't even send somebody out, and God amplified the footsteps of the lepers, and it sounded like a host. It sounded like an army. It sounded like chariots. And it frightened the Syrians so bad, they ran off and left everything. They left the food, they left their clothing, they left gold, they left silver. And when these poor lepers come up, nobody's in the camp. And they thought, wow, look at this. And then they started partaking and then they decided, no, this is not right. We shouldn't just consume this on ourselves. Let's tell the rest of the village. And they all feasted. But it took three left, four lepers to get up and say, we're not going to sit here. If we're going to die, death is going to come on us on the move. But we're not going to sit here and just let it happen. Amen. And notice what happened in verse 16, 18. And it came to pass as the man of God had spoken to the king saying, two measures of barley... Notice it came to pass what the prophet said. Believe ye the prophets and you shall prosper. Amen. I've given you a prophetic word this year. I don't go all over the country calling myself a prophet. I know what I am. I don't need to advertise it and convince other people. I know what I am. But every year the Lord gives me a prophetic word, as you well know, and I preach it all over the world. And I have thousands, hundreds of thousands, perhaps even millions of people that respond and say it happened to me. 
They believe it. Amen. So notice the prophet spoke something that in the natural looks utterly impossible. But here we see, and it came to pass. You hold fast to what I said this year. It's the year of the maximum. It's the year of the highest level attainable. And you will, you will have after your name. And it came to pass. And it came to pass. I think you ought to give the Lord a shout in advance. Hallelujah. And it came to pass. Now, I've said many times, <laughs> I must be a minor prophet because I don't have a prophecy for everybody. And I don't, I don't stand up and say, thus saith the Lord in every service. But I do know when the Lord speaks to me, and I do know that it's prophetic. And when I say it, I know that he will honor it. Hallelujah. Or I'm not going to say it at all. So... As Carolyn Daddy used to say, just hide and watch, it'll come to pass. If you believe it. But you never say, and I'm one who believes it. And it came to pass, as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two measures of barley for a shekel, a measure of fine flour for a shekel, shall be tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. And that Lord, now we're referring to verse 2, and that Lord answered the man of God, and said, Now, behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, might such a thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not eat it. Now this man fell out, and so it fell out unto him, and the people took him out of the gate, and eventually he died. What happened? God made it come to pass. God honored the word of the prophet. The people saw it and they decided we don't want any more unbelief in our camp. Now we're not going to get rid of anybody. <laughs> okay. And I'm not saying you're going to die tomorrow if you don't believe it. But I don't want unbelief around me. I want people of faith. I want people who see the invisible and do the impossible. How about you? Amen. All right, now, why sit we here till we die? So don't just sit there and, and keep uh, allowing other people to convince you that this will never happen to you. Amen. All right. I actually learned, I keep putting these things on upside down. I don't know whether to put them on or take them off. <laughs> I can read fine print. It's just I've been reading and preaching for days and days and days. And my eyes are tired. And that's when I have to put them on. You notice I don't preach in them all the time. But when my eyes are tired, I have to, I have to wear them. Okay. Or I choose to wear them. I actually learned to do this as a young boy before I even came to the Lord. Now, I didn't know these things in the Bible. And you've probably heard me tell this story before, but it's my sermon. I want to hear it again. When I was a young boy, my dad worked for the Chevrolet dealership in Shreveport, Louisiana. 
and it was owned by Mr. Howard Crumley. And Mr. Crumley was a, a very successful businessman in Shreveport. And every year, he knew how much I loved the Chevrolet Corvette. It came out in 1953. And General Motors trained my dad to become a Corvette specialist. And Mr. Crumley knew how much I loved Corvettes. And every year, when the new one would come out, and he'd have one in the showroom, he'd tell my dad, bring Jerry up and, and tell him the new Corvette's here. And I remember uh, him doing that every year. And the one that I remember the most was the 1957 Corvette. And that one, I, I, I said, that's the one I like the best. And, of course, they kept coming out, and he would do that every year. Now, he died in 1978. I wish he was still alive to see what, what has happened. He would, he would ask my dad to bring me to the dealership. 1957, I'm uh, uh, 10 years old. I'd be 11 in December of 57. But this was in September of 57. That's when they always came out, about the month of September. So dad took me to the shop that day. They used to work half a day on Saturdays. So dad took me to the shop or the dealership on Saturday morning. Mr. Crumley was waiting for me. And he said, Jerry... Sit in the, the driver's seat. And he always sat in the passenger seat next to me. And he'd tell me about this car and what engine it had and all this, you know. And I'm just, I'm just sitting there drooling. I'm not old enough to drive yet, you know. And so I'll never forget him saying, every year he'd say this to me, Jerry, can you see yourself owning one of these someday? I'd turn to him without hesitation. Yes, sir, I can. I'll have one, and especially at 57, I said, I'll have one just like this. He was the one who actually inspired me to start seeing what couldn't be seen in the natural. Now, I didn't realize it at the time that God was using this man to train me to see what couldn't be seen in the natural. Okay? So, this 1957 Corvette, it was black, had silver coves, and red interior. And that's the one I said to him, I will have one just like this someday. Now, he didn't live to see it happen, but I want you to see it. Show these pictures. Look at it. The very car. Black. You can't see the side of it, but silver coves and red interior. I wish Mr. Crumley was still alive so he could see that. Now, in that garage there, there's another one. See the red one? That, that one in the black is a 57 Chevrolet Bel Air. But the red is a 61 Corvette. Now, he, he, he died in 1978. I sat in the red Corvette in 1961. Mr. Crumley saying, Jerry, can you see yourself owning one of these one day? There it is. Show the other picture. There's the, there's the 57. Show the other picture. There's the two together. They are in my classic Corvette collection today. Mr. Crumley inspired me to see the invisible. Now, he didn't say these words. If you see the invisible, you can do the impossible. But that's exactly what was happening to me as a young boy. 
It was Oral Roberts who impressed on me that phrase. If you can see the invisible, then you can do the impossible. Amen? Amen. Now, that's just two of several classic Corvettes that I own. And it all began with Mr. Crumley. So don't tell me that what was impossible at one time in your life will always be impossible. If you begin the process of the renewing of the mind, what seemed impossible at one stage of your life will no longer be impossible at another stage of your life. Can you say amen? Amen. All right, let's give the Lord praise for that. I thought you'd like to see that. Amen. Now, actually, without Mr. Crumley saying it to me, this is what he was saying. I learned it later from the Apostle Paul. We walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. We walk by faith and not by sight. And then the very next scripture, verse 8 says, I'm confident. We walk by faith, not by sight, and I'm confident. See, a lot of people don't understand. How can you be confident when you walk by faith? How can you be confident when you never know what God's going to do? Oh, I know what God's going to do. He's going to do exactly what he said in his word. It's people I can't figure out. I know exactly what God's going to do. He's going to do what he said in his word. So that produces confidence. When I say I walk by faith, I live by faith. Did you notice I didn't cry? Can you help me? Can you help me? No, I don't cry when I say I walk by faith. I'm confident. I have, I have utmost confidence in God's ability to make it come to pass. He's been doing it for 54 years. Hallelujah. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. Temporal means temporary, not permanent, subject to change. Subject to change. If you can see it with these natural eyes, it's not permanent. It's temporary. Why would you let something that is subject to change dictate your outcome? Jesus proved this every day in his ministry. He proved leprosy was subject to change. He proved blindness was subject to change. He, he proved that, that uh, uh, being crippled was subject to change. He even proved that death was subject to change. He raised dead people. Now don't tell me that the maximum and the highest level of attain, attainable is, is impossible. What is standing in your way, preventing it from happening, is subject to change. But you got to get your eyes off of it. Quit focusing on it. I love what the message translation says. There's far more than meets the eye. (laughs) There's far more than meets the natural eye. Amen. So let me just close it out with this. The remaining time I have. I said at the beginning that I wanted to share with you three reasons why reaching the maximum and achieving the highest level is possible to you. 
Number one, God is for you. Number two, let me say, number one, God is with you. Number two, God is for you. And number three, God is in you. That makes what was impossible, possible. God is with you. God is in you. Or God is for you. And God is in you. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23, I'll not ask you to turn there, but you can look them up later if you desire. When Jesus was born, it says, They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God with us. The book of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, that Jesus expressed the image of God. The Amplified Bible says he's the perfect imprint and the very image of God. The message translation says he perfectly mirrors God. He himself said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if Emmanuel, being the name that Jesus was given at his birth, means God with us, and Jesus and the Father are one and the same, or if you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father, then that would say that the same God that was with the children of Israel is with us today, praise God. Amen. Amen. And how many times did God being with them change their circumstances? Study it out, amen. Deuteronomy chapter four and verse 31 says, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee. Deuteronomy 31, six says, for the Lord thy God, he it is that doth, doth go with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Joshua 1, 5, I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. First Chronicles 28, 20, be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be dismayed, for the Lord God will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. God being with us guarantees success. Hallelujah. That's why he tells us to be of good courage and to fear not. When God is with us and you have a deep revelation of it, then the fear of failure becomes a thing of the past. One famous preacher, Charles Spurgeon, used to say, let us admire and hold fast to this truth, this wonderful fact. Admire means to regard highly that God is with us. Look at somebody and say, God is with you. Tell somebody else, and God is with me. David said in Psalm 23, 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. Notice just knowing that God is with you causes you to overcome fear. The fear uh, uh, and the threat uh, of, of Satan being able to destroy your life. The fear of failure. Oh, that's, that's, that's one of the great, greatest things I ever experienced in my life was when God delivered me of the fear of failure. And we've all dealt with it in some way or another. You know, as a, as a young businessman, you know, leaving my secure job in the dealerships as a, as a paint and body man, launching out into my own business, there was 
the fear of the unknown, you know, will I make it? Will I have enough jobs, you know, to, to, to support this? And even when I went in the ministry, you know, will people believe in me? Will people support me? Will people invite me to come? You know, we have all these thoughts. No guarantees in the natural. But God. And today, and I say to the glory of God, I don't have to go anywhere to preach if I don't want to. But I want to. And God has, has supplied me with a strong enough partner base that I can stay home if I want to. I don't have to be out preaching just to keep everything going. But I want to. I heard go ye in 1969. I hadn't heard stop ye yet. (laughs) But God proved being with me guarantees success. I will fear no evil. I will not fear what man can do unto me. I will not fear COVID or anything else the devil brings up in the next few years. And trust me, he's working on something right now because that's, that's what he's consumed with. Kill, steal, and destroy. But we don't have to fear it. Can you say amen? Why? God is with us. Somebody shout, God is with me. As long as God is with us, then we will always have hope. Psalm 37, 25 says, I have been young and now am I old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. The message translation says, not once have I seen an abandoned believer. Hallelujah. God is with me. I will not fear. God is with me. I will not be abandoned. God is with me. I will not fail. God is with me. I have hope for tomorrow. God is with me. I have the potential to be a winner in life. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a shout if you believe it. But not only is God with us, God is for us. The apostle Paul says in Romans chapter eight, verse 31 And verse 37 through 39, if God be for us, who can be against us? Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, and listen to this, nor things present, nor things to come, nor things present, nor things to come, shall separate us from the love of God. God is for us and nothing present, nothing coming can separate us from the love of God. Can you say amen? Amen. So why would we ever become discouraged? Why would we ever decide to give up and quit? Say this with me. God's with me and God's for me. Therefore, I will not be defeated and I will not quit. Give somebody a little elbow there and tell them, you believe it, don't you? Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. And then finally, God in us. God in us. 
That song we sang at the beginning of the service, Welcome Holy Spirit. That song was actually written by a lady that worked for us in Kenya a number of years ago. Welcome Holy Spirit. It, it, it mar- I marveled many times at how Christians can sing something and not pay attention to the words they're singing. Welcome Holy Spirit. If we truly believe that God is in us through his Holy Spirit, then why would we ever get discouraged? Why would we even consider giving up? Jesus said in the 16th chapter of John, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. The word expedient means better or more profitable. Can you imagine what's going through the minds of the disciples when Jesus made that statement? Now, boys, I want you to know I'm about to leave but it's going to be better for you when I do. Can you just imagine what Peter's thinking, James thinking, John's thinking? How in the world could it be better for you to leave? Because when you were with us, our every need was met. We had no fear of the enemy. You know, uh, how could it possibly be better? Well, the reason it'd be better is Jesus was limited to only being with them where they were. If they were in Capernaum and he's in Nazareth, they're limited. But he's saying, I'm about to remove all your limitations. I'm going to send another comforter and he's going to be just like me. It's going to be just like me being on the inside of you. That's even better. No wonder it's more profitable. That means... Everywhere you go, he's there. And here's a beautiful thing. We're all going to disperse here in a little while, go in all different directions. I'm flying to Branson, Missouri here in a little while. And he's going with me and he's going with you. And he's going with you and he's going with you and he's going with you. We all have, have no more limitations because God is not only for us, God is with us and God is in us. We can reach the maximum. We can reach the highest level attainable with those three reasons alone. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? John 14, 26, Jesus made it clear who this comforter was. He's the Holy Ghost. John 14, 17, he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. The Holy Ghost is referred to as the paraclete which means the one who comes along to help, to comfort, and to strengthen. He helps, he comforts, and he strengthens. Jesus is telling them he's sending another of the same kind, another one just like himself, and he'll continue the work that he began, and he'll do it through them without limitations. So God is in us. Paul asked this question, 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Ghost who is in you. I like to say it this way. I learned it from Brother Copeland years ago. Brother Copeland said, God is in me. I'm inside minded. I'm wall to wall, Holy Ghost. (laughs) 
You have wall-to-wall carpet in your house. I'm wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. Look at somebody and tell them, I'm wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. That's the reason why. That's the reason why God encourages us to lay hands on people. Because when we lay hands on people, there's only a skin difference away from that person and the Spirit of God. That's why he said, and you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's not you doing the recovery. It's not you doing the healing. It's the God in you. We're just, we're just delivery boys. Amen. So I trust I have convinced you this morning that achieving the maximum and the highest level is possible. For three major reasons. God's for you. God's with you. And God is in you. Lift your hands and thank God for it. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you this morning. We thank you for your word. I pray that this word has lodged deeply in the hearts of every person who heard it. Not only all of us here in this auditorium, but everyone watching by social media. I pray that it has inspired their faith today. They'll leave here knowing that this is possible. All things are possible to him that believeth. And we're believers, Lord. So we have every reason to leave here today with a shout and with a dance in our step, knowing that God is with us, God is for us, and God is in us. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a good shout.